0: Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is... Are, Are these, these Books, books drunk? Drunk? <laughs> I'm
1: Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Woo woo! Yeah. (laughs) This month, we've been reading the beautifully thought-provoking novel The Vanishing Half by the ridiculously talented Brit Bennett. Yeah. Chicas, where does the time go?
0: I don't know, girl. We drink it away. (laughs) I
1: guess so. I mean, how can we already be closing out our chat about this one today? I don't know about you, but I've become so attached to many of these yeah. characters mm-hmm. and their intertwined journeys. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to cry Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Before that goes down, let's reminisce about last week's cocktail hour and a half. We shared <laughs> why we act, our thoughts behind our battles with speaking up as women, and friendships that began under false pretenses. Ooh. We never tread lightly, do we? Nope.
0: Liquid courage. (laughs) Well, I
1: guess that's why we have a special drink. Two or three to give us that liquid courage. (laughs) Hems, what's on the menu for esta tarde? Well,
2: today we have a strong drink as we say goodbye to these strong women. Today's cocktail is called... The big reunion. As Jude and oh. Kennedy reunite, Stella and Desiree, Stella and Adele, and even Stella and Kennedy, there was a lot of reuniting in these chapters, mm-hmm. but also a sense of finality for some of these relationships and also for us closing out this book. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I don't have much to say about this drink except try not to let your tears water it down. <laughs> Here to share the recipe, the big reunion, is our big hearted bartender,
1: (laughs) Ricardo. (laughs) Ricardo. yeah!
3: Ciao ladies, welcome to the bar.
0: Hi. 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 How are you? Amazing. Great. Good. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm fine.
3: (laughs) Thanks for asking. So we are at the end of our book and
1: I know. it's
3: going to be a big reunion. So that's the name of the cocktail today. And it's a mix of something that you wouldn't expect, but it works pretty well. So the ingredients for this cocktail are an ounce of scotch, an ounce of golden rum, three quarters of an ounce of ginger syrup, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice and uh, egg whites and for garnish we're gonna need a few dashes of angostura bitter Uh, as Mm. always because we have egg whites we need to do our dry shake first so first thing is just the egg white in the shaker no other spirit and no ice shake it for consistently and very hard for at least like a minute or two until you can feel that the egg white is getting frothier then we do the regular shake with ice and the rest of the ingredient everything except the angostura bitter because we don't need the angostura for the taste here we need it as a garnish on Mm. top of the foam of the egg white so we're gonna shake and strain our cocktail up on a chilled coupe or on a chilled Nick and Nora or anything you like. It's a short drink because it's around like three ounces and something. So not a rock glass brandy <laughs> And as a garnish, uh, it's just few dashes on top of the foam of the Angostura bitter and it's going to give you like this nice signature on top of the cocktail.
0: And Ricardo, how can you talk us can you talk us through this ginger yeah, syrup? Yeah.
3: For the ginger syrup, we need a part of water, a part of sugar and 3 quarters of a part of ginger. So it depends on your taste how much spicy you like it. So, uh, love it. Yeah. So you can either reduce the sugar, uh, raise the quality of the water, or lower the quality of ginger if you are like Mariana, so you don't like <laughs> too spicy. Or our com-
1: bartender knows
3: <laughs> <we>. <laughs> Or completely erase the sugar if you are Brandy. And have like the spiciness in all the ginger and all the other flavor that you wanna yeah. enhance in the cocktail without covering <laughs> it with sugar. I, I like it either way, it's it's completely different cocktail, but if you are new to this cocktail and you just wanna follow the recipe, I really would like to suggest you to go one cup of water, one cup of sugar preferably brown sugar and three quarter of a cup of ginger. You put everything in a pan, you bring it to a boil, make sure that you are dissolving all the sugar and you let it sit there uh, for, let's say 45 minutes, an hour to just chill and infuse uh, all the spicy and all the flavor in the water. And then you filter everything into a different container and you storage into a fridge up to, I would say, three months. Uh, and
0: how long do you boil everything together?
3: Uh, it, it may vary. Uh, oh, this, the longer, the better but not oh, okay. not not too much because of course the water is going to evaporate completely right. but uh, I would stay in between 10 and 15 minutes
0: and then you let it sit for 45 to an hour yeah
3: yeah cooling cooling no flame underneath but just cover so the water that it's not completely evaporate out mm, of the of the okay. saucepan and you keep everything there together and so it, it makes it the the solution like full of flavor and spiciness.
0: Ooh, mm. sounds delicious.
3: <laughs> so enjoy <laughs> your big reunion, ladies. Oh, and
0: thank you. <laughs>
3: alla vostra salute.
0: Grazie, thank Ricardo. you, Ricardo. Ciao. Bye. Bye. All right, women. Cheers. Cheers. Salute. Mm. I love this drink. Oh, do you? I do. The little foam on top is so nice. And the ginger syrup, I actually made the ginger syrup. (gasps) Yes, queen. Good for you. I mean, I'm so glad I did. A part of me was like, maybe I'll secretly just have it be simple syrup. But I like made the ginger syrup. And I'm so glad that I did. Gives it that nice little spicy kick, right? Yeah, a little bit of zing, a little bit of zest. (laughs) And I honestly, I'm not a huge fan of um, rum, yeah, you know I'm not or scotch. So oh, when really? I saw that it was both of them, I was like, "Oh, fuck this!" But I actually can't really taste <laughs> either of them. Uh oh. Yeah, maybe with a combination
1: of both of them together, and they with cancel all the other each ingredients. other out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I put a little extra splash of scotch in mine.
0: Hey now, <laughs> good for you. I like get it, it. get it, Eva. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girls, I know we don't want to, but we have to start talking about the last chapters of this book. Yeah. This week, Jude seeks Kennedy out again while in New York for Reese's surgery and shows her undeniable proof of the link between them. A photo of Stella and Desiree on the day of their father's funeral. When Kennedy shows Stella the photo, true to form, she continues to deny the truth and resolves to go home to Mallard to convince Desiree to quote-unquote call off her girl. Mm. While there, she meets Early, seemingly reconciles with Desiree, and sees Maman's very altered mental state as she's coping with Alzheimer's. She leaves the next day without saying goodbye to Desiree, leaving behind only her diamond wedding ring to help take care of Maman, she tells Early. Neither Stella or Kennedy attend the funeral. Mm. Desiree and Early eventually leave Mallard behind and move to Houston to start a new life. After a brief stint as a soap opera star, Kennedy becomes a real estate agent. Stella tells Kennedy the truth, but is firm that Blake can never know. And in the final moments, Kennedy and Reese, having snuck out of Adele's funeral, take their clothes off. Reese removes his shirt, the skin on his chest a little lighter than the rest of him the scar is still healing and they play in the river free from all of life's worries for this one little moment
2: <laughs> oh my God. what a gorgeous ending <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. It was so beautiful. And what she said about the river never forgetting Mm. its path, but that they hoped that they could for this little moment. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. Begging
1: for it, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, what did you two make of that last
1: line, begging to forget? For me, that was, I think it kind of sums up or encapsulates what, all these characters are struggling for freedom and struggling to belong Mm -hmm. and struggling to get to a place that they don't have at the moment. But what this last moment means to me is that you can never forget your past. Mm -hmm. Like where you come from. Where you come from will always be there even because a river does remember. Even if they're Mm -hmm. trying to like get rid of those scars and get rid of uh, everything that has happened to them. It will stay with you, regardless. Mm-hmm. You can never, you can never forget where you come from.
0: Yeah, I agree, Mariana. And I think there was something so beautiful about this moment where Reese finally gets to take off his shirt and feel the sunshine on his chest. Yeah, I thought, and it, there was just something about that to me. And then them playing in the water—that was it. I, the word freedom also came to mind for me. And that last moment, I feel like. Just for this little, tiny, brief, little playtime, like they almost reminded me of kids playing in the water or yeah, something. Mm-hmm. Nothing yeah. matters. You know, Reese might have to have more surgeries. They might have to explain to Jude's mom down the line why they can't get married, why they can't have mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. You know, Adele just died. But in for this one little moment where they're playing in this river, none of that has to matter they don't have to remember any of that. They don't have to think about their painful past. They can just be two happy little beings playing in the sun and the water for this little moment.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was a beautiful ending. And it, yeah. there's something, too, I th- I think you touched on it, Mariana. Just, like, you know, water, like, it cleanses us oh, and washes away. Like a baptism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it made me think in um, – For the Jewish holiday Rosh Hashanah, we do something called Tashlich, where you go to a flowing body of water, so a a river Mm. or a lake, wherever you can find water. (laughs) And uh, traditionally, I think you take pieces of bread or you can take petals of flowers. At least that's what what we did when we were growing up. And you take, Mm. so if you had like a piece of bread, you would tear off like a, a little chunk of it. And with each chunk you would think of a sin that you wanted to or some or something that you wanted to ask forgiveness of for that year and then you'd throw it in the water so mm. the water can wash it away and you just keep oh, doing wow. that. So it's like you let the water take away the things that you want to let go of or things you want to ask <sighs> forgiveness for or sins you may have committed that you want to let go of and you let the water release it and that was always one of my favorite mm. traditions and so I thought about that a little bit here. Not that I think either Jude or Reese committed any major sins that they would need to ask forgiveness for. I think they're pretty pure mm-hmm. out of all of these characters. But it did seem just like, you know, this washing away of everything that happened to start fresh. And I loved, yeah. I loved that. I loved that the ending was like a way to start anew.
0: yeah. Oh, that's that powerful. sounds like such a beautiful tradition also, I Emma. Know.
2: It is. Yeah, I, I definitely have fallen off of that since I've lived in New York. But one year I took mm. a cheddar bagel to the Hudson River and I did it by myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, A bagel. Oh, my. Yeah. Of course you did. Oh, I'm yeah, so no. New York. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is. Well, ladies, I have to say, listening back to last week's episode, I feel like I was a little harsh on Stella when we talked. And as I was reading this week's chapters, I was once again reminded that while, yes, she walked out on her sister and on her mother and she pretends that her family is dead and she lives this double life, (sighs) this woman is someone who is Traumatized yeah. deep down, yes. and she's really just someone who's trying to survive. I right. think that's yes. what's at the core of everything she does. She's just trying to remain safe, right, and mm-hmm. survive. Mm-hmm. And going through this journey with her and Jude and Desiree and Adele and Kennedy, I feel like they're all such different people, and they handle situations really differently. Mm-hmm. But they're all so layered. They're so complex, and I just mm-hmm. have to applaud Brit Bennett for weaving not only such a beautiful story, but such beautiful characters that I was lost in for the entire book. Like yeah. she wrote such real, full women,
2: Completely. and complex too. Yes, yes. I love complexities and contradictions. Oh my
0: god, yeah. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite books, I think, that we've read so yeah. far in the mm-hmm. book club. And I feel like it's going to be one that sticks with me for a long time. Mm-hmm.
1: I do agree because you really do follow each of their stories.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You really go along with them for the ride and you you do root for them, maybe some yeah. more than others. But there is an explanation as to why they are who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. And they've all lived through experiences. And we've talked many, many times on this podcast about living in somebody else's shoes. Or don't judge someone just because of their cover. Don't label them. Like actually hear them out. See where they come from. Like really understand What they've lived through to get to who they are today. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What makes them them. And I think that's one of the lessons that I am taking away from this book because that's what Brit Bennett is showing through each of these characters. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And this last chunk, I developed such empathy for Kennedy. Like I realized she just wants, you know, similarly to what you just said, Stella just wants to survive. Kennedy right. just wants acceptance and to be loved mm-hmm. and acknowledged yes. and seen. And she's not getting it from her mom or her job. And yeah. f- maybe France. Really, only Jude seems to be the only person. So I
1: really felt for her in a way that I hadn't in the previous chapters in this chunk. I'm, I'm so glad that both of you say that because I, one of the questions that I had for both of you is you if you felt differently for Stella, this go around after reading these chapters. And I feel like there's something about Stella and Kennedy that Kennedy is kind of repeating history. Yeah. And that's something that Stella did not want for her daughter. And ultimately, her not wanting her daughter to vanish is the reason that she goes back to Mallard she mm. goes back to protect her daughter. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's like even though she didn't want history to repeat itself but because history did repeat itself that brought her back home. Yeah. At least for the day or the 24 hours that she was there.
0: I'm glad you brought that up Mariana about the fact that Stella didn't want her daughter to to end up this way because I was so intrigued by the contradictions in both of these mother-daughter relationships. Stella really chides her daughter for being an actress and moving around a lot, not tied to anything. And yet, that's pretty much the life Stella has kind of lived, pretending to be somebody else. And Desiree keeps pushing Jude and Reese to get married, not live this quote-unquote modern lifestyle, even though, as Jude points out, Desiree and Early aren't married and haven't been married right. in all the years they've been together. <laughs> right. So I was curious, have you ladies experienced any contradictions in your relationships with your moms? You know, I, I can't think of any
2: instances where I have. If anything, I think I'm always trying to fashion myself to be more like my mom.
3: <laughs> I just,
2: oh. she's wise and educated and passionate compassionate she's a social butterfly i mean she can talk to anyone about anything for a long amount of time and be engaged with them <laughs> the whole time like eye contact that is So true it that is, is so true. wild you got to peel her out of a room she's so engaged and engaging she's independent thoughtful always curious i mean i just really look up to her and she's such a role model mm. and um and I'm really grateful for her transparency with me forever, for my whole life mm-hmm. I can think of growing up, just being um, a model of a woman that I would like to be. And I feel like the older I get, the more I want to embody her qualities. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, my parents are the two most like supportive parents I can think of in terms of always letting me follow my, my path and... um never making me feel bad about the amount of hours that they spent like driving me to rehearsals or dance class or you know the amount of money that they put into my training like I just yeah not a very exciting answer I just feel really grateful for her for both of them but since you Mm. asked about my mom
1: yeah
0: I love that bitch (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh, I right. so now, now I'm like, this be so
1: similar <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, one thing that I I, I do want to highlight about, I mean about the many qualities that my mom has because I like Emma, I hope to one day emulate who she is when I become a mother. And what she has done is because of the obstacles that she lived in her youth. And the way that she was raised and certain things that she had to face, she didn't want history to repeat itself. Mm. She wanted to make sure that the way she treated me and the way she raised me was a way that would be as supportive and as loving and as nurturing so that I would be a fully capable, independent woman to be able to do Everything and anything I'd always wanted,
0: Mm. like not to
1: need anybody else, not to and to show everyone compassion. I think for her, that was her ultimate goal. And she (laughs) she did it so amazingly well because it's I know all the things that she's gone through and she made it a point on a daily and continues to do so for 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 me to never feel the pain that she felt.
2: Mm.
1: So I think that's that's kind of like something that's amazing to see and something that I I'm so proud of her for doing that Mm. because it it required so much strength and also so much empathy for Mm. individuals
0: yeah well you make me feel like I'm about to talk shit on my mom or something
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure I could pull up something I I could
0: no similar to both of you (laughs) I adore my mom um and she was a great, she's, she is a great mom. Um, and I do feel like I emulate her a lot. But there are two, like, glaring, weird contradictions that I've noticed as I've become an adult. Mm. My mom grew up in the Jehovah's Witness religion.
2: Oh, yeah. And she
0: fucking hated it. So when mm. I was growing up, I don't want to say she was anti-religion, but we, like, certainly never attended church. That kind of thing just wasn't part of our family. Spirituality, yes, for sure. But religion, absolutely not. Mm. And now my mom is pretty religious. She Before COVID, she volunteered at her church every mm. Sunday, like for years. She would drag my youngest sister to service with her, even though she hated it. <laughs> and when we'd visit for holidays and stuff, she would pretty much like pressure us to go to church with her and of course i would go because she's my mom i just thought that was so weird that she grew up hating that her mom did that to her yeah Mm -hmm. and yet now she does that to us Mm -hmm. which is just a strange 180 that i never thought i would see from her in a million years and then there's also the baby thing my mom Uh was always super anti-baby Growing up, and and I don't think she intended for us to internalize it the Mm. way we did. I think she just didn't want us having babies before we were ready. But I don't think she anticipated how much we would take that to heart. And now, none of us, none of her three daughters, want kids.
1: Oh Oh, wow!
0: And I can tell that now she is sort of a little bit like, but wait, like, but are none of you going to have that? Like, but I do want grandchildren a little bit. You know what I mean? So there's also that weird reversal. That's taken place, uh, which, again, I, I just never thought huh. I would see that from her in a million years. So it's kind of weird. Could you at
1: all pinpoint with the the religious aspect if there was a th- something that triggered her to then all of a sudden give in to the Jehovah's Witness? It honestly,
0: well, sh- she's not Jehovah's Witness the way her mom was, mm-hmm. okay. but she does attend. She does participate. A Christian church. Mm. The only thing I can think of is that maybe like. Getting older somehow triggered that for her, because um, I, I can only that, assume right? the older you get. My mom is very young, but I can only assume the older you get, the more you kind of start to seek some kind of spiritual mm-hmm. yeah. guidance yeah. or something. And I maybe people reach out to religion for that reason. Yeah. It's just a weird contradiction that's cropped up. Hmm. Over the mm. years. So That's if, so if you ladies, like in 20 years, see me starting to go to church, stab <laughs> me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying Bravo. to have a baby. <laughs> right. If I'm trying to have a baby, just kill me.
2: <laughs> we'll
1: have to talk to Jason.
2: <laughs> you know, I'm embarrassed that I'm going to bring this up, but I was reminded from what you just said. And since we did just watch the Bachelor finale last night, it's fresh on my mind. <laughs> but it was something i actually thought of in reading this chunk of chapters as well the co- spoiler alert bachelor nation if you watch and you're not caught up i'm sure everybody watched well this is from a couple of weeks ago so if you're not caught up that's oh. on you oh that yeah, conversation that matt had with his dad in regards oh to oh my god you know how his dad wasn't around and his mom and dad didn't have a a really a functioning definitely not a loving relationship and you can yeah. see how that really really colored Matt's commitment issues and and concerns yeah. with with falling in love and finding someone and and deciding yeah. to get married and so they had that really vulnerable uncomfortable conversation where Matt was like dad I need you to like talk to me about what that was like because it's Look colored at me and my talk to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it has colored who I've become and now I'm on a reality show where I'm supposed to pick a wife. Yeah.
3: I thought that was so
2: fascinating. And and I thought about that in these chapters when Desiree and Jude were chatting in their in Jude's kitchen in Minnesota. You know, I just I think one of the things I really love about this book is, is Following those generations, you know, we get three generations on on their side of the family mm-hmm. from Adele and then Stella and Desiree and Jude. And I
0: just technically we kind of get four because we do know that uh, Adele's Adele husband's mother mm-hmm. leaves that gin bottle or whatever that they end up drinking. Oh, I that was a yeah. yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So true. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but I know what you're saying. I just think I I love following generations of families and seeing how Mm -hmm. things get passed down. And it really does remind you that who we are is a reflection of our parents and who our parents are is a reflection of their parents. And so on and so on and so on forever.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Again, you can't forget where you come from. You can't. You you. That's part of you. Or you can if you're Stella, but it obviously does a huge mental number on you. But it does
1: a huge number on her. And then you got to live with that forever.
0: Right. One of the things my mom always said growing up is that you always try to do better for the next generation than what you had. Like you always try to do better for your kids than what you had. And that's something that I, you know, obviously I saw that in Adele. She was a single mom, very, you know, hardworking. She had multiple jobs, but... I kept thinking, you know, if she had had her way, her twin girls would have stayed in Mallard. They would have been cleaning houses just like she was. And because they didn't do that, Jude becomes a doctor. Like, she's a doctor. Exactly. By the end of this. And Kennedy, you know, may not have done, quote unquote, as much with her life, but she... You know, has the freedom to make choices. She's an actress and then a real estate agent. Like, she does have some autonomy. Mm. Um, So they end up in very different... I feel like their lineage gets a very different trajectory because of the decision that those twins made to leave. And I... Right. Right. It
1: all stems from them trying not to repeat and get them bringing it up. They're not trying to repeat history. They wanted to give their daughters their choice. And the irony of the situation is going through that they were both, I think they both ended up where they ended up, both Desiree and Stella, with their girls or where their girls ended up because of the choices that Desiree and Stella made to protect their daughters. It all Mm. comes down to that. Right. Both of them ultimately just wanted their, a better life for their daughters. Right. Right. That's why Desiree comes back because she wants right. Jude to be protected from Sam. Unfortunately, she had to lie to keep her there. But then she allowed her to leave and mm-hmm. have the choice right. to find her way, even right. though she doesn't, didn't necessarily want that for her initially. But then she saw what she became. And the same thing with Stella. Ideally, it wasn't she didn't want... Uh, kennedy to be an actress but she still wanted kennedy to be happy and to Mm -hmm. live a life of fulfillment Mm -hmm. okay speaking of both jude and kennedy and their stories and who they become when we leave them what was so interesting to me was that they were always struggling to belong Mm -hmm. to something or someone Mm -hmm. but by leaning on each other they were able to find that or find some sort of solace Mm -hmm. One moment that I found myself relating to Kennedy was when she was comparing herself to her, to her long-lost cousin. And as an actor, I often find myself having to overstate or overemphasize my resume to prove to family members and close friends back home that I have earned my keep mm. or have done something with my life, demonstrating to them what I have to show for all the time spent pursuing a dream. Mm. The irony of this particular situation is that Jude is the one becoming a doctor, like Brandy just mentioned, after being raised in Mallard by a single Black woman, while Kennedy was raised by a well-off, quote-unquote, white family. Have you ladies found yourselves in a similar predicament with folks back home, having to prove yourselves because you didn't follow the most practical path? And this is kind of like a follow-up from last week's conversation.
0: Yeah, I feel like no matter who I'm talking to—family, friends, acquaintances—it's a constant feeling of having to prove what I've been up to and why it's worthwhile. You guys know, like any time yep. you run into a fellow actor acquaintance, the question we always ask each other is like, "What have what you have been, up been up to?" to? Yeah. yeah, which is pretty much code for like, "Have you booked anything? Right. What have you booked? What have you been working on?" And you yep. want to painting my yourself. nails, <laughs> right? Yeah, I've just been reading lots of books and watching TV. Um, I feel like that conversation always ends up leaving me deflated no matter what I've just been working on or what I'm in the middle of working on. Because the fact of the matter is, as we three know, when that job ends, we'll be looking for work again, looking for the mm-hmm. next thing. So it's like this exhausting loop of like having a job, looking for a job, having a job, mm-hmm. looking for a job. So like no matter when anybody asks me, what have you been working on? It doesn't matter. I'm always going to be looking for a job. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I feel like it's it's one of those things that's contributed to me playing my cards really close sometimes and like feeling like I don't need to share that much. Like I'd rather ask you a lot of questions about what you've been up to and putting you in that hot seat. And then, like, maybe you'll just forget to reciprocate and ask me what I'm up to you know I mean? Maybe I'll just nurse my drink while I listen to you, and then I'll move on.
1: So you're right. telling us your conversations are not a two-way street. It just goes one way the whole time. With you two, they
0: are. With most people, I try not to, I try not to make them mad.
2: Uh, again, my answer is pretty lame because not really in terms of family and friends back home like everyone is just actually like so supportive that it makes me feel like gross like how supportive everyone is like everyone's just so nice um and like rooting for me and and I feel that but similarly you know it is always With family or people I don't know or friends, you know, oh, what have you been up to? Or are you working on anything or have you been in anything that we would have seen lately? Right. I mean, those questions just really, I'm going to try your tactic. It's not so much my family, but there was this one regular that I had at the restaurant when I was working at the restaurant. (laughs) Every time he came in, he would be like, so, have you booked anything lately? Oh, my God. Every time. Time, and I was like, "Well, Ed, I'm still here," (laughs) you know, like. And every now and then, I would have maybe like a voiceover job or something I could update him on, and he would get very excited. But I, I got the sense that he was really unsure that this was the career that I should be having because I was at the restaurant for so long, and you know, it's rare to have updates of things that were going on, and so. Eventually, I just had to change the subject really, really quickly. Or I would do that trick where I would be like, oh, my table is calling me. Sorry, I got to go. Like, I'll be back. You know, just like completely evading.
0: Yeah. But I
2: did notice the one thing, mostly in in my family, I guess, that I can relate to is they would always ask, like, how's the job? And I'd have to ask my acting job or my restaurant job. And it was always my restaurant job. (gasps) and I was like, well, because, you know, it would be if they wanted to know about acting, it would be that would be a separate question. Like, how's the acting thing going, which I always love the acting thing, the acting thing. Don't you love Mm -hmm. that? The acting thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so I I remember one time I think I had to ask. I think I had to say to my mom, actually, I was like, can you please not ask me about the restaurant? Like, to me, it is just a j o b J.O.B. job. Like, I don't really ever want to talk about it.
0: Acting. And there's no update about it. Yeah, like, I mean, what are you going to say? Well,
2: there's a lot to say. <laughs> I could write a book, but I don't want to. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, acting is also a full-time job. So if you're going to ask about my Absolutely. job, I'd rather talk about that job. And so it was just kind of like changing that verbiage, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's
1: find different names for these two things. Mm-hmm. Right. Hearing both of you talk, it reminded me of... Uh, <sighs> A situation that happened to me uh, the day I graduated college. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It was the day of our, I guess, like concert, senior concert with the BFA program at Ailey. My parents, for something happened that they, their flight was canceled, but my aunts and my grandmother from my mom's side were already here. And so after the concert, we all went out to dinner at Teca, which no longer exists. It was an amazing Mexican restaurant, speaking of restaurants, in Hell's Kitchen. So we were all there. Andrew was with me. I had my college roommates, which were very close friends of mine at that point, with me, with my grandmother and my aunts. And we were sitting there. And it was a celebration because I just finished my last concert with the BFA program. Yeah. And my grandmother, instead of like toasting to every well toasting me and like highlighting or praising me she basically stops everybody's conversation and says mariana this was all great for you i'm glad that you you danced in your youth but what now like she basically point blank said yikes now you had your fun what now (laughs) so i just stood up and walked out of that restaurant.
0: You and- did? Oh, my God, and- really?
1: Because I've never been very combative. Like, I didn't know how to react then, and I didn't know how to, like, what to say to my grandmother in front of my aunts without my parents there <gasps> to support me. Yeah. It was one of the... F- I mean, Andrew had already met them, but, I mean, it was a very uncomfortable position for him to be in, plus my friends. And it was supposed to be a very celebratory occasion. Yeah. So that just... And I know last episode I said something about my grandmother but hey, This uh, this podcast is about being cathartic, right?
3: <laughs> <About> <laughs> and generations son. of women.
1: Yes, right. Yes, it's appropriate. Right. But it, and it also shows you that as a daughter, as a granddaughter, we are in we are impressionable, and things that are said or things that are. Put upon us, they do affect us, Mm -hmm. and that had a very long-lasting effect. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, because it was just basically degrading what I had accomplished and what I had done, and it was like, okay, now you had your fun. Now let's talk about real life. And it was just, it was.
0: But it didn't derail you, and it didn't didn't. deter you.
1: It didn't. It didn't. It actually gave me more ammunition Mm -hmm. (laughs) to keep I'll show her. To keep keep my guns blazing. And I think a lot of what she has said throughout my my life has given me kind of more of those, that courage to try to overcome um, all these no's or Mm -hmm. like not pay attention to all the the rejection. rejection.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes people teach you who you want to be and you want to emulate them and then sometimes people teach you who you don't want to be. And I feel like you, you, having experienced that now, you know, would never go on to do that. So at least there's that. And on that note, I think
2: Kennedy realizes that she really doesn't want to be like Stella.
0: But then she
2: also ends up reinventing her life just like her mom did. Mm
0: -hmm. That's weird. So Mm -hmm. she
2: doesn't want to be like her, but she's actually doing
0: the same thing. She has a very same
2: trajectory that her mom had. Very much. Well, yeah, you're
0: right. Especially there for a minute when she moves to France and cuts off ties Mm -hmm. with her mom. With everyone. With everyone, yeah. She just kind of acts like they don't exist for a little while.
2: That moment when Kennedy was arguing with Jude about her okay so this is kind of changing topics but not really because what you just said reminded me of it kennedy was arguing with jude about her being a negro saying that her dad is white so she's not and jude Mm. is like well your mom is so technically you are and then she asks franz France, franz franz France, if he would still love her if she was black and he said no because then you wouldn't be you Mm-hmm. so what you just said reminds me of, you know reinventing yourself mm-hmm. it reminded me that early on in our relationship ricardo asked me if i would love him if he weren't italian which i had totally forgotten about and i was like mm-hmm. what of course like i don't love you because you're italian like yeah. i love you because of who you are and but i realized from what we just read if he weren't Italian, he wouldn't be him. He would be a completely different person. Right. Like our cultures are really different. He is always making comparisons between us based on the fact that I'm American and he's European. And very Mm -hmm. quick to tell me that his culture is way better than ours. (laughs) (laughs) And in a lot of respects, he's right. And so I just think it's so funny because back then I was like, of course I would, but he would be a completely different person. And so right. I think yeah. that's so interesting that Franz said he wouldn't love her if she were black because then she wouldn't be
1: her.
0: But interestingly, she is half uh-huh. black and would be her.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think she also is struggling with finding who she really is because she doesn't know who her mom is. So then she's right. like in search of who she is.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, that's hard. I mean, going off of that, I found these little subtle hints of racism in Grown Up Kennedy, a really interesting touch by Brit Bennett. There's that cringeworthy little story she tells her Black co-star that she'd had a oh, Black yes. friend once growing up, and she's, like, very proud of that. And then even Franz, her boyfriend, is really hurt at one point and tells her that he knew Jude couldn't be her friend because Kennedy didn't like any black people except for him Mm. it's like he picks up on something very subtle about her and despite the fact that they're in this intimate interracial relationship he kind of knows that she doesn't fully accept all black people it's it's just him for some reason And it made me really curious if you ladies had found out something earth-shaking about your family, something that shook your own identity, is it something that you would want to explore? Or like, Kennedy, like, would you hide from that? I find it so interesting that she never, she never really truly fully befriends Jude. She never really asks questions about Adele or Mallard. Like, she doesn't ever really explore that. That is such
1: a great question. I don't know how much I want to divulge. But the you ladies know about my mom finding out about my my grandfather not being my biological grandfather. We've already mm-hmm. talked yeah. about that previously. But I, throughout this book, there was a lot of me thinking about the relationships that I no longer have with my aunts mm. because of what happened and how they pretty much ghosted us because my mom finally came up with came out with the truth but the truth would taint the reputation of my family Mm. right so if it were ultimately up to me i would love to sit down and have a conversation with my aunts just to really basically put everything out on the table yeah because it's it's really sad that especially for my mom knowing that a, a sisterly relationship Yes, they're not twins, but they're sisters and they grew up together and they were so tight-knit mm-hmm. throughout their whole lives. For them, now they're that's non-existent. That relationship no longer is there. Mm. And then my cousins are having babies and
0: oh. luckily we still
1: have relationships with the cousins, so that's still there. But I don't have relationships with my aunts where my aunts were part of everything in my life mm. until my wedding pretty much oh so i would want to and that's in and, and i feel for kennedy that she wants to kind of have her mother explain to her which she finally does stella finally comes clean but she can never talk to her dad about this stuff so it's, right. it's so in a way you kind of have to navigate through these all these relationships to be able to find a common ground with the relationships that you do want to kind of reconnect with
0: right what about you emma
2: yeah i would definitely want to know i don't know if you remember but last week when you asked if we had any regrets and i was like i don't have many but i can see how i would have some and i want to take care of those before they become regrets
0: Mm. Those two main
2: points that I were thinking of were actually not really knowing, like, all of my parents' history and my familial history. And so I really want to sit down with my parents and, like, put on a tape recorder and be like, start at the beginning and tell me everything. Because I don't know a lot of that history, even, you know, like, my grandparents. And that, that makes me sad. And I don't really know... You know, dating back generations, like I know roughly where my family's from, but not really. At some point, I, I would really like to go and know the family that I already have. But if if something new came to light, I would, yes, I would definitely want to dig into that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: All right. This is out of left field, but I want to ask
1: you my question. Well, this happens at least once an episode, so it's not easy Well, sometimes it's not easy to find a good segue, okay?
2: Sometimes you just got to pull it out of your ass. Last week, we talked about friendships that we entered into not for the quote-unquote right reasons, as they would say in Bachelor Nation. Ooh, this is a bachelor heavy episode for me. Okay. And we touched on some friendships that we shamefully ghosted our way out of. Mm -hmm. In this section of chapters, I was thinking about the reversal of that and was thinking about friendships or relationships we may have had that were wonderful, but then dwindled for whatever reason and how hard it is to find your way back to that connection. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to make friends the older you get. I found, at Mm -hmm. least for me, I don't know if that resonates for you, and it takes a lot, again, for me, to reach out to someone you had a strong connection to, but that over time has lost its spark or just connection. Have either of you had a circumstance where you've reconnected or wanted to reconnect with an old relationship, friendly or romantic, and did that land successfully or maybe not?
1: I can think of a few. Oh. I do have one friend that we were best friends when I was five and she was seven. We pretty much grew up together. We grew up dancing. Her name is Juliana. And I don't know if she listens to this. So it was always Juliana Mariana. Which was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> our, our parents were also really close friends. Uh, she She attended my wedding. I was a bridesmaid in hers. But throughout our journeys, because I moved away when I was so young, we kind of, like, lost connection, and then we connected again, but it's always been back and forth. And as of late, we haven't really talked. I mean, for the past two or three years, it's been, like, our relationship has been pretty much non-existent. Mm. But recently on social media, I found out something about her that she's going through that I'm also going through, and I think that that will in a crazy way, connect us again, which is so, it's so crazy to me that after all these years that we would pretty much be at the same stage in our lives.
0: That's crazy. Without even
1: planning it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So hopefully if she's listening out there soon enough, (laughs) we might reconnect. Do you think you would reach out and reconnect to her? I am. I definitely am. I definitely am. Because having, having... Seeing her go through this, I just,
0: it's, it's, I have
1: to. I have no other choice.
0: Yeah. Emma, this question makes me really sad. Oh, Oh, sorry. I know. So. Is it a trigger? It's a heavy question. I'm sorry. So my very best friend in the world from high school was a guy who weirdly used to hate me when we were in middle school. We hated each other in middle school. He was super religious. And I think he just always kind of thought that I was really crass. But by high school, he was like my closest, dearest friend in the world. And we stayed friends even after I moved Mm. to New York. And we'd like talk on the phone constantly. And I'd always see him when I went home for the holidays and stuff. And it was like the kind of friendship where I literally knew literally knew all of his secrets and he knew all of my secrets we were just super close I even tried to get him to move here once and I feel like I was so close and it just like didn't quite take but like I don't know there's another life somewhere where like that happened I feel like Hmm. so then he met a woman who I met and who was very nice and you know kind and they ended up getting married and I went to the wedding and it was beautiful and lovely and I remember talking to him after the wedding and he was telling me all about their honeymoon and all the things they were going to do and the plans they had for the future and stuff. And I was super excited for him. And then I just like stopped hearing from him for like months. And this is somebody I talked to multiple times a day, like since high school. And he just stopped returning my calls, wouldn't answer my emails like Out of nowhere. And this was like before ghosting was a thing. So it was just like super appalling. Oh, my God. And then finally, the next year on my birthday, he reached out and he just told me that his wife was like really uncomfortable with our friendship. I had a feeling. Mm. Me too. And so he just said that he couldn't do it anymore. She asked him not to. God. And I remember just like being heartbroken. But I did tell him that like no matter whatever happened, however much time ever passed, that Like, I would always just be super happy to hear from him and that we would never have to talk about the situation if he didn't want to. Like, he could always just call. Like, he could always just reach out if he needed to. And he finally did call me one day, years and years later. Out of the blue. Out of the blue. And we did try to pick up again for, like, a few kind of conversations but, like, as much as I really wanted to not be hurt, I was like super hurt that he could have just dropped me like that. Like, I could have never done that to him for anybody. Mm. Like, I would, I, it was just unfathomable to me to have done that. And so, I don't know, we just kind of stopped because it just felt like that thread. He was also just kind of a different person, he had married somebody very religious. And had been living that life for a Mm -hmm. long time. So, like, the sarcastic, dark-humored, like, person. What you knew, yeah. Yeah, who I, like, loved so much was just kind of gone. And then, like, and so that thread that held us together was just kind of gone. So, I don't know. It's one of those things that sucks. I haven't talked to him in, again, years now. But it's one of those things where, like, if he called, I would always answer the phone. Like, I'm never not going to want to talk to him and, like, try yeah. To, like, revive that. Because, like, after all these years, I just still love him so much. It's just... Do you think that deep down inside, his wife
1: was just afraid that she could never have the connection that you two had mm. and that's why she needed you to... Yeah, just, like, jealous. I honestly not think in the way. a yeah. huge
0: part of it was that, like, when I say religious, they're extremely Got religious. Mm. And I am... Probably the exact opposite of that in her <laughs> For at, like, now, in anyway. the eyes. Now, anyway. Somebody like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens in Watch a few years. <laughs> Wait, so I'm in my 40s. Um, yeah, so I think honestly, that was the biggest threat. And also, like, I do think there was a part of him when I tried to convince him to move to New York. I think there was. I think it was, like, 60-40. Like, I was so close to getting oh. him here. And I think he would have been so happy here. And so I think there's a little bit of fear in that, too, that, like, I could pull him mm-hmm. to a different
1: yeah,
0: life. Ooh.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's my mm-hmm. ghosting story. I'm sorry. You know,
2: they, yeah. they always, they, whoever, proverbial, they always say, you know, like, men and women can't just be friends like you can't just mm-hmm. have a relationship and I just don't agree with that I think I don't know yeah, I that think it's either. rare 100%. to find you know where you're like really good friends with zero sexual attraction but I've had that I have that I've had yeah. That. so yeah oh god I'm sorry Brandy and I actually like totally feel where you're coming from because my question makes me a little sad too I Aww. mean it's a it's um it's like a really personal thing, you know. When you have a really close friendship and then it goes away, it's like a yeah. breakup. And but it's kind of yeah. worse in a way because at least with a breakup, like you usually go on and you find a new partner, you know. And then mm-hmm. and then like that past relationship kind of just like oh you're disappears. So right. But friendships, right. there's like always kind of that wonder for me, anyway. Um Yeah, it's not like
0: you can replace it. Yeah, no. you don't
2: replace friends. No. Whereas like partners, I think it's pretty easy to yeah, re- replace a in bit a way. Easy. there's only
0: one person usually in that slot. <laughs> right. At the time, right, so. right, yeah. right. Yeah, right, right. Yeah,
2: so we I was also um ghosted by a really close friend from college, but it was so odd because we were a group of six really close friends. You know, we had an acronym for each other. We mm-hmm. had group texts where Aww. we were constantly messaging. We did this yearly fun project together every year. I mean, you know, it's just like it was the six of us. Like it was like our, our core. And one yeah. of one of our members <laughs> <laughs> just all of a sudden just like stopped messaging in our group text and we were always like hey, so hello. You, they ghosted
0: all of you they ghosted
1: all of us all five of us Whoa. Wow. wow and so well, at least you weren't at it in it alone <laughs> yeah i mean sorry
2: no i mean sure. yeah it's like it's terrible but at least we had each other to be to like bounce off yeah. of each other and be like have you talked to them do you know what's going on i mean it was mm. so sad like they never responded obviously i sent them a wedding invitation They never responded. Oh. I called them. I left voicemails. You know, like, where are you? Are you coming to my wedding? And then eventually it just became like, I don't even care about the wedding. Just are you okay? Where are you? What is going on? Nothing. No response. And so I was like, I don't even know if they're alive. Do you know? Like, so that was really sad and we kind of collectively as a group of friends we kind of mourned our friendship with them and realized that they just didn't want to be a part of this and we'll never know why but we have to kind of let that go but Mm. to end on a happier note one of the positive things that came out of quarantine for me was reconnecting with a lot of people that i haven't talked to Mm. in a long time. Mm. I think I'm notoriously bad at responding to messages and emails and being the first to initiate contact. You know, I'm really, Mm. really bad at it. And it's something that every year I vow to try to be better. And I I got a little movement this year, but because I've been home (laughs) and I had a lot more time. But one of my absolute best friends from college we went to high school together and then we went to college together and we were roommates for our sophomore and junior year in college and we were so close I mean we shared a one bedroom like it was like that do you know what I mean we were like sisters like she felt like a soulmate and something happened there was some kind of falling out and we didn't live together our senior year and then after college, we just really lost contact. And then she came up out of the blue. Actually, her sister reached out to me and for her 30th birthday and said, I'm making a video compilation of, of people leaving messages for her 30th birthday. And I was so touched that she even thought to ask me because I was like, I don't know if her sister knows that we haven't spoken in years. And I got so emotional. So I left her a little birthday message for her 30th. And then in quarantine, we've reconnected and we've been really making a point to have FaceTime calls. Um, and it just makes me so happy. Like it just Aww. I feel so excited that this great girlfriend is back in my life because yeah. I think it's really rare to have really good girlfriend relationships like
0: yeah, totally.
2: unshakable lady friends and she was that for me and so I was really sad when I lost it and now I'm just really happy that she's back in my life and we're not as obviously we're not as close as we were but just knowing that now we know what's going on a little bit you know she didn't even know I was married um wow wow. so it feels it feels really good yeah Mm.
0: Thanks for ending it on a happy note.
2: Yeah, I know, right? I was like, <laughs> I'm not bringing this down. Thanks for
0: bringing it back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but wait, ladies, <gasps> what? what? We have a listener
0: question. Yay! Oh, yeah. yay! At Hot Off The Shelves on Insta has a question of the day and wants to know what's our favorite thing about the vanishing half?
1: Just one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh,
1: It's hard to just say one. I mean, there's so many things I personally loved about this book and I kind of feel like I want to read it again because I'm sure that there's so many details that I probably missed
0: same so I
1: think for me the biggest thing and I think we kind of touched upon this is how rich these characters are yeah these character,
0: every single
1: character for me I wanted to continue reading on to see where they would end up every yeah. single character there was not one character that fell flat for me there wasn't one that I didn't feel like Brandy said was layered or like Emma said was complex I think that that's what's brilliant about Brit Bennett hmm
0: I will add, I, I agree, I, that would have been my answer, but just to not say the same thing, I will say that I also appreciated the way the book kind of jumps around mm. in time, because mm-hmm. um, I feel like it just gives me a sense that I know these Characters, You know what I mean? And I feel like that's the way you remember people. You remember these little patches of stories totally. over time. And I feel like that's how we're experiencing this story, as if we know these characters and we're just remembering these stories. Yes.
2: Oh, I love that. Yeah. I guess this is kind of piggybacking off of what Mariana said. But for me, it's just that whole element—the concept of you never know a person's story. You never know what someone is going through or has gone through. Yeah. And just the whole metaphor of, you know, walking a mile in someone else's Mm -hmm. shoes or in this book's instance, I would say in someone else's skin.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just to
2: always remember to be open. Yep. And have compassion and kindness for everyone. I've said that before, but I think it's it's really highlighted in this
0: book. And it's important yeah, to reiterate. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the <laughs> question. Cut off the shelves. Yeah. We love you.
1: What? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, I think we should. Maybe briefly discuss Miss Adele and her passing and her dealing with Alzheimer's, with dementia. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this hits close to home, and I feel that it's an absolutely horrible illness. Um, I don't know if you ladies have ever come in contact with it firsthand or secondhand. Mm. Um, Andrew's grandmother passed away of dementia. Uh, From his dad's side, Mm. my grandfather currently has dementia. Oh. But just the thought of not being able to remember one's past is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. The irony with this is most of the characters in this novel want to forget their past. Right. But Adele uncontrollably does. Like, it's not her will to forget. It's just she does. Ah, um, and then I also thought, uh, I know Brandy has seen this movie. I don't know if you have Emma the father,
0: which oh recently my came God. out. God. yes uh,
1: I mean, what's his name Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> thank you, Sir Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> How appropriate <in> this <laughs> is. This- <laughs> <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins! <laughs> uh, his portrayal of dealing with the, with and struggling with this illness is this, his performance was unbelievable. But what was so interesting to me that totally parallels what Adele was dealing with is that what you do end up remembering is not necessarily what actually happened. Like mm. both of them in The Father and in The Vanishing Half, they both remembered their... The daughters that weren't present in their lives or in their later latter half of their lives as the token child and as their favorite and the ones that have that did everything for them. While it was the complete opposite.
0: Yeah. But that That broke my heart when she kept asking for Stella. She keeps referring to Desiree as Stella. Yeah.
2: When she recognized her right away when she came back, but she hadn't seen her in years. She's like, oh, that's Stella.
0: Almost as if she had never left, like yeah. Almost like Adele's living in a different time, and yeah. Like, like don't you recognize her? Yeah. 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 What's wrong with you? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of my worst fears. Mm-hmm. I feel like is growing old and losing. I know my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it it was funny too to read those moments when they're just very briefly mentioned when uh, Adele is laying in a field or something and she describes the daughter crying coming to find her and she kind of doesn't understand why like she's <laughs> just kind of going about her life doing her thing and she doesn't she's so confused as to why mm. desiree so upset in this moment and you kind of just get a sense that probably adele's been missing for the better part of the day and nobody knew where and she was knew. and desiree just found her <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> lying so in this field mm. yeah just 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 one of the worst things i can imagine right
1: going through it how confused you might you you become
0: and that's the most heartbreaking part of of the father which you mentioned is watching anthony hopkins live through that in such a beautiful oh, performance
2: at least in this book adele didn't seem at least to me she didn't seem she actually seemed pretty happy and joyous yeah. Like I think that she didn't know what was going on, but maybe she didn't know that she didn't know, and so she was mm-hmm. fine. She was just living her life. Everyone else around her knew, but it seems like she was actually okay. Yeah. So if I, I, I hope I hope that was how it went down for her anyway. True. Yeah. This fictional character.
1: Yes. That relationship that she built with Early.
0: Him oh bringing her gosh. hair in the wash. Oh. Yes. Oh, and that. him still love staying early. with her so that Desiree could go <sighs> visit
2: her daughter. Like, d- I'm still team early. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Same. Big I just, time. I, yeah, I, fi- I found myself just falling more in love mm-hmm. with him for Desiree, mm-hmm. like the older that they got together. Do you
2: think they'll ever get married?
0: I don't know. It doesn't seem like they need it. Yeah.
1: Mm. No. They found each other and they belong to one another, but they don't need the, the
0: yeah. rest or anything. It kinda seems like for them, because of the way Early's job was and like his lifestyle was for the bulk of their relationship, like it kinda seems like they just keep choosing each other. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like yes. they don't need they don't need the marriage thing. They just keep staying right. together.
2: Mm-hmm. Any closing remarks, ladies?
0: One thing I will quickly say is I loved this moment when Stella returns to Mallard to find that it's been renamed and kind of rezoned. And she talks to this young man who tells her that it's only like the older folks who remember the town being called Mallard. And I just had this this image of the whole history of this town disappearing Mm. under the new that's being built up and the new people coming in. And only a few people know what was ever there. Mm. And I feel like in telling us this story, Brit sort of allows us to be Part of that club, part of those older folks who know this town existed and who know the stories that were made here Mm. that have just kind of vanished under the surface Mm. at this point. Mm.
2: Well, the last thing I want to say about it before we close out, I guess, unless you have ending remarks, is... One of my yoga teachers in training right now, Yogi Charu, he said recently that when a bunch of different people get cremated together, you can't tell whose ash belongs to whose body.
0: Oh. Everyone is the
2: same at the end. Mm-hmm. Just like the bones of the bodies in the graveyard in the
0: book. Yeah,
2: Bones are bones. Body is body. And at the end, we all kind of just end up together. And it doesn't matter yeah what you looked like we all just turn into ash Mm, and i think that's a nice way to think about this story
0: oh yes i love that i think that's the perfect way to end our discussion about this book does somebody have a final question that will (laughs) lift us up a little (laughs) so that i'm not so sad to laugh a little bit
2: right (laughs) now please i do And it's it's not sweet. It's not about all of us returning to the same place together. (laughs) Okay, gals. If you (laughs) could embody this notion of being completely free in the skin you're in, would you be naked all the time, in public, or at home? Where do you land on the nudist scale?
1: Hmm. (laughs) Whatever the nudist scale is. Well, we know that you've done... Yoga in the nude. So, Uh,
2: Emma. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I land at like a nine on the nudist scale.
0: (laughs) At home. Wait, but so what would you be in public like on the nudist scale? Like a zero. Okay.
2: (laughs) If it's a zero to ten. I just decided that. Great.
0: (laughs) What about you, Mariana?
1: I could definitely do the nudist at home. I have done it in the past. So, that, yeah. But it would take me a lot to be nu- nude in public. I think I need to kind of really wrap my mind around that one for a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with both of you. I'm definitely, I would say I'm like a five on the nude at home. Like, you know, when I'm getting out of the shower or something, like I might wander around for a little bit, but like, you know, eventually I do put my clothing on. Sure. <laughs> In public, yeah, I would have to say I'm a zero. Like, even if I was, like, ended up on a nudist beach or something somewhere, I would definitely be an observer, not a participant.
2: <laughs> I actually did a topless nudity in France, and I have to say it was quite liberating.
0: Oh, oh interesting. It was very really scary at first. Yeah. yeah. It was so then like, you're not a zero on the public nudity scale. Well, this was in
2: another country, so I guess... There are, there are modifications to my question. (laughs) It's not black or white. It depends where you are. In the U.S.,
0: (laughs) she's a zero. In France, she's more like a seven or an eight. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss on an episode, shoot us an email at arethesebooksdrunk at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener question segment. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Huge shout out to hot off the shelves once again for connecting with us and drum roll please we have reached over 400 followers on Insta yeah. Woo. and over 3,200 downloads Yeah. Word. thank you y'all Get it. Yes. next week we're turning the tables
2: on you and giving you an April Fool's bonus episode <gasps> oh. Oh. or is this an April Fool's Joke. No, oh. it's not. We really are. Next week, <laughs> we'll be having some fun with the brilliant book Play Your Way Sane by Dr. Clay Drinko, chock full of 120 improv inspired activities and games to help you tackle stress and find your way sane. Man, yes. you need this now. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Stay tuned next week for our official April book selection. Ooh. Check out our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk for next week's cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Cause, Cause it's, it's always, always the happy hour
1: here. <laughs> here. Woo! Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye.